0: Blessings one and all, and welcome to the second episode of The Orantian Mystic. I'm your host, Paul James Caden, and uh, remember that uh, after this second episode of this particular show, we are going to be holding the listener's vote. Which show do you like best for 2023, Angels of Arantia or The Orantian Mystic? My email will be in the podcast description below. So you can email me and let me know what show you like best. Or if you're listening on one of the video platforms, you can simply comment below and cast your vote and let me know what show appealed to you most. But with that being said, let's... uh, dive right into our subject here. And what we're going to be talking about in this show is how should we deal with it when people attack our personal belief system, attack our faith? And when I say how should we deal with it, it's not only how we deal with it externally, dealing with with that person or people who are attacking our personal belief system. But how do we deal with it internally, within ourselves? Because first and foremost, that is the most important arena and area that we have to really deal with this problem. Because it is fashionable today for people to attack religion, attack the concept of God. Sometimes they will attack the individual. Sometimes we will see uh, like a a place like YouTube or Facebook or just an internet article where somebody's really blasting the concept of religion or God and making all these arguments against it. And, you know, this can really affect us in numerous ways the first way it can affect us is that we'll want to go on the defensive or we'll want to find weaknesses in the individual who's attacking us or attacking our faith and in return attack that person and try to tear them down and this is never really a good idea because this is like fighting a fire with gasoline it's only going to make the flames grow hotter and taller and more widespread, and the attacks are only going to become worse. It's it's not going to solve the problem, and that's something we we don't want in our lives. We don't want to be in a continual argument with an individual or a group of people uh, trying to defend our faith, because this can become very frustrating, and. In the inner dimensions of our life, it it can really harm us by just making us angry and defensive and bitter and even hateful, you know, where we'll start having really uh, hard negative feelings towards certain people or groups of people. And in the spiritual life, that's something we don't want to carry around inside of ourselves. The second way uh, that this can really affect people is making us feel alone. Because the the spiritual journey, the quest for God, is generally one where there's a fair amount of isolation and loneliness. This is a journey we take by ourselves. And there's very few of us, uh, especially in this day and age, Uh, even, you know, if we have family and friends, you know, a lot of people don't share our beliefs or they kind of look at you cross-eyed when, you you know, you, you try to share your faith with them or what you believe. So there's not a lot of people we can share with, even if we're surrounded by people. And so we can feel very isolated, very alone on that spiritual path. And when somebody attacks us, it can make us feel even more alone it can make us feel more isolated it can make us turn inwardly and say you know or ask the question rather is there something wrong with me it is it foolish to believe what I believe and so that can be uh, a very hurtful and harmful way to perceive things it can make us feel more isolated more alone and even cause us to be depressed. Now, loneliness and isolation on the spiritual path is a very big topic uh, that wouldn't do justice to comment on here in this tiny space when we're just talking about how these things affect us when someone attacks our beliefs. Uh, Loneliness on the spiritual path is a podcast in and of itself, and it's one that I will be doing very possibly uh, the next show, whatever one uh, wins out in the voting, because this is a big problem that a lot of people face, and, and it needs it needs to be addressed, feeling alone on the spiritual journey. another way in which we can be affected by uh, the attacks on our faith our personal beliefs is questioning ourselves is the other person right am i believing something that isn't true because a lot of these uh, arguments they they sound like they're very well put together But if we really know where they're coming from, uh, they're really not such solid arguments when it comes to the reality of God and uh, the spiritual life, the the spiritual world, the world beyond this reality. Those arguments really aren't so ironclad. They sound clever, but sometimes people just parrot these arguments that they've heard other people say that sound clever it sounds good so they're going to go out and say the same thing to people and it kind of snowballs and becomes the trendy thing to say when they're attacking religion but it's it's really not such a solid argument at all and we're going to address some of those in this particular show so how do we how do we combat a lot of these feelings? How do we have peace within ourselves to really know that this spiritual quest is right? It's true, and that what we believe uh, you know has some reality to it. We're not just believing the you know in the genie in the sky, as many people refer to God as. And I think the Arantia book gives us a statement that any person of faith who exercises reason and logic in their lives uh, should really know. We should really know this verse and think about it, meditate upon upon it, understand what it's saying in its larger context. Because it really does give us a truth that can't be argued against when we really understand what it's saying and take the spiritual gems out of the words. And so I want to read, it's it's from the Arantia book, paper number one, section two, verse seven. And it reads, The existence of God can never be proved by scientific experiment or by the pure reason of logical deduction. God can be realized only in the realms of human experience. Now let me read that again. It says, The existence of God can never be proved by scientific experiment or by the pure reason of logical deduction. God can be realized only in the realms of human experience. Now, I want to kind of take this verse apart a little bit because it really does apply to two of the very big arguments we hear coming from people who... uh, try to attack or disprove the existence of God or, uh, tell us, well, you know, there's no scientific proof for God. This, this, this is all just myth. It's just a crutch that people of, you know, a weaker, um, you know, mental constitution have to lean on. It's just a crutch. There's no reality to it. Science hasn't proven it. And here in the Arantia book, it says the existence of God can never be proved by scientific experiment. Now, first and foremost, I personally believe through my many years of study, um, this became a quest for me back in the November of 1991 that I became really interested in science and religion and history and religion, comparative religion. Do we actually have any proof of God? uh, Or is this just a matter of faith? And my personal conclusions is that the individual who says, well, there's no scientific uh, proof of God. Yes, that is true. You know, there's no one who's ever gone into the laboratory or gazed up into the cosmos with, you know, a super-powered telescope and said, aha, there he is. You know, of course, you know, we don't have that kind of proof. But when you look at the intricacies and the complexities of life and the universe, and now you know, in the realm of quantum physics, the things that they're finding. This universe, this world that we live in is amazing. And a lot of things that they're finding on that quantum level is pretty close, if not spot on, to a lot of the things that the ancient mystics and metaphysicians and theologians taught about the universe, about God, about what is reality. And it's not beyond some scientists and uh, quantum physicists to quote the mystics and metaphysicians of old and say, you know, back then, they thought and they taught and they believed this and by gosh, look what we found. It's actually, um, you know, pretty close to the truth. What these people uh, somehow deduced uh, just by their own studies and contemplations and meditations. So to say 100% that science has just plowed God off the road and completely annihilated the argument for God, well... That's not entirely true. And in my personal opinion, in my studies, and looking at some of this uh, in a very unbiased way, it's actually uh, strengthened my faith. You know, these complexities uh, of the universe, the world that we live in, it's, it's just amazing. And I feel, uh, along with a lot of other people, that some of these findings are kind of the fingerprint of God that we're starting to see in the creation. The fingerprint of the creator in the creation. So that's not entirely true that science has just obliterated the notion of God. Absolutely not. There are very well-known people uh, quantum physicists out there now who say well we believe that the universe may have a consciousness and is that consciousness what we call God you know is it the universe having a consciousness or a greater consciousness that is thinking the universe into physical being incredible stuff that's out there and so people who want to argue that well you know, science has completely disproven the notion of God. Well, there are people that are doing a very one-sided and biased research to try and prove their point. And they have not really engaged in critical thinking by looking at the point they want to prove and then looking at the other side of the argument. Because if you exercise critical thinking in this, you're gonna at least walk away with some questions saying, "Wow, You know, at, at the very least, maybe I'm an agnostic because this this is pretty wild stuff, you know, that's um, happening on that uh, that quantum level. And secondly, You know, as the Arantia book says, the existence of God can never be proved by scientific experiment. You know, mankind in our arrogance and big egos, we think we're going to be able to construct a machine or a device that's going to rip away that veil. And okay, aha, there's God. Or, aha, there isn't God. And that's just something that we're not going to be able to do as finite human beings. We have to understand that all of the mysteries, all of the complexities, all of the incredible things in this universe that we're still discovering and so much we don't know, We don't know what's out there in the far-flung edges of the universe. We don't even know what's at the core of the earth or at the bottom of the deepest parts of the ocean. There's so much we don't know about the laws of physics and things on the quantum level, these mysteries. So how do we think we're going to Construct some kind of device that's going to unveil or pull back the curtain like the Wizard of Oz and aha, there's God or as I said, aha, there isn't God. The being, the mind, the force that put all this into action and all of these incredible complexities. What makes us think we're going to be able to sneak up on that being and say, well, there it is. There you are. We may touch the very fringe of the garment and see the fingerprints of the creator in the creation, but we're never going to rip away that veil to expose God like the Wizard of Oz. This is a being that would be so far above what we know, what we think, what we understand. So far, far, far beyond our understanding of the laws of physics and quantum physics, this would be a mind, a being, a force that is the likes of which we couldn't even begin to wrap our thoughts around. And so for us to think we're going to go into the laboratory or build a device that's going to find that being like he's under a rock somewhere, that's just not going to happen. God is not going to be revealed until God desires to be revealed or reveals himself. This would be like going to an ant in the middle of the forest in an anthill hill. And if the ant had the capacity to understand that, you know, we live on this planet in the cosmos and out there in the solar system, you know, or these other planets and way out there is this thing called Pluto. It's like the ant trying to prove that Pluto exists with whatever tools are available to it. The ant will never be able to do that and no matter how much we tell the ant and try to make it understand no pluto exists there's a big universe out there the the ant will probably come to the conclusion of hey you're an idiot if it really exists how come i can't see it how come you can't take me there how come you can't show me You can show me pictures, you can, you know, show me what's written in books, but that's just all myth. How do I know that's real and someone didn't make that up? Same kind of argument. The same kind of argument that people have for God or against God. And so I might uh, interject here that us as human beings have even a more impossible task in proving the existence of God than the ant has approving proving the existence of Pluto. Because Pluto is a physical thing. Now, it might be a physical thing that is beyond the know-how of the ant to ever know or see or visit or touch, or handle, but it's still a physical thing in the physical universe. God is a being that is outside of our time-space reality, outside of our dimension. How would we think we're going to punch a hole in that dimension and say, oh, well, there it is. We have to understand God is going to be greater than our little finite minds, no matter how much we think we know. And God is always going to be far beyond the reach of our crude little machines that we put together here on planet Earth. Hence, the existence of God can, or I I'm, may... I'm, I'm uh, Paraphrase that and say the existence of God will never be proven by scientific experiment. And now we have the second argument, which the Arantia book covers in this particular verse. It says the existence of God can never be proven by scientific, scientific experiment or by the pure reason of logical deduction. And now this is another one, people try to reason God away. And one of the biggest arguments you hear people say is, well, if there's God, why does he allow all this suffering in the world? Wouldn't a loving God just fix all of our problems? I've seen people say mock prayers over someone with a missing limb or someone who is terminally ill and say, well, if God exists and he's all loving, why didn't he answer that prayer and heal that person? Why why didn't he save their life? Why didn't he regrow that missing limb? We prayed. Why didn't he hear us? Why Why didn't he heal that individual? And so they relegate God to this genie in the sky. And this is really just an argument that is very, very weak because it's based on uh, the very uh, modern idea of biblical literalism, which is something that's... um, very popular in a lot of non-denominational Christian sects. You know, these people who believe, oh, you know, um, know, God's going to answer our every prayer. God wants us rich. God will heal us if we have enough faith. Nothing's impossible with God. Well, nothing is impossible with God. But the literalists whom the, non, uh, the non-believing person bases their argument on, the genie in the sky. The literalists and the atheists don't realize that the ancient Christians did not teach literalism, nor did they teach that God would fix all of our problems. We have a lot of issues, a lot of problems here on planet Earth. We have our decisions to make as we grow spiritually, as we grow our soul, as the Arantia book puts it. We have our decisions to make to follow the light, do the will of the Father, move on, you know, when we leave this Earth. We were never promised to live forever here. We have the choice to follow God or follow, uh, as some put it, the dark side. A lot of issues, a lot of false ideas came into this world through, you know, what the Bible calls the fall of man, what the Arantxa book calls the Lucifer Rebellion. So there are beings that want to get us off track. And we have a lot of false ideas that have filtered into the human belief system, the human uh, behavior pattern uh, through that fall, through that rebellion. So we have choices to make. This world is imperfect and there's going to be suffering, there's going to be death. The ancient Christian community taught and believed God is not going to grant our every wish. He's not going to grant us a miracle every time we ask for one. And to think that he will is foolishness, because if this were true, well then why did the apostles of Jesus die? And why did some of them die such very brutal deaths? They were tortured. They were uh, crucified. They were boiled in oil. They were beheaded. If God was going to answer every prayer, then why didn't they just say a prayer of protection or deliverance? as some literalist Christians put it, and God snatched them out of the uh, the jaws of death. If literalism is true and God really is like our genie in the sky, why did Jesus have to endure persecution and crucifixion? Now he was the ultimate uh, Christian. He was, the son of God why didn't he just follow this this uh, path of logic and faith to have God deliver him from those who put him to death so a lot of a lot of modern-day Protestants and literalists Uh, really don't understand the way the ancient Christian community understood the biblical text. They don't understand uh, what the early Christian community taught about suffering and, um, you know, the imperfection of this world. We all have our part to play. We all have our choices to make through this life, through those sufferings. And many have said the book of Job is in the Old Testament, which shows us, hey, there are going to be sufferings in this life, but what is your choice going to be? Are you going to curse God and die? Or are you going to remain faithful even unto death, as Jesus did before he went to the cross? He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do as they drove the spikes through his hands. He didn't curse those people. He didn't damn those people. He didn't laugh and say, Oh, God's going to save me from all this. And miraculously, God just made him disappear and the crucifixion never happened. So literalism is really a very weak, and might I even use, uh, unfortunately, the word uneducated, theological system that ignores everything that came before it to make its own religious narrative, which is teaching teaching the pure, unadulterated word of God, which is the Bible, which is literal. It is God-breathed. Every, every sentence in it we should uh, take to be 100% true, 100% literal, and that is not how the early Christians believed in the scriptures. This is a modern-day invention that does make God nothing more than a genie in the sky, and this is the form of Christianity that uh, those who attack faith will really uh, mount their forces against, not realizing that um, what the literalists believe is not really even true early Christian doctrine. It is not even what the apostles or Christ himself taught. So basically it is a false argument against a false argument or a false argument based on a false argument. And once we understand that, it becomes very um, unaffective when we hear someone uh, use this Santa Claus in the sky, genie in the sky terminology and arguments because it's it's just not so. The atheistic person uh, is actually right in their arguments about the genie in the sky but to believe that is all that there is taught about God or this is the reality about God and religion while they're making actually the same mistake as the literalist who is teaching that God basically is our genie in the sky. And so with that being said, the Arantia book comes to its conclusion in this verse that says God can be realized only in the realms of human experience. And truer words have never been spoken. For those of us who walk the path of faith, for those of us who are on this quest, on this journey in life to know God, to know more about God, to commune with God. We've all had experiences in our lives that we can't explain. We might even call... Uh, miraculous on some level. Some of us have seen apparitions and angels or heard that um, disembodied voice give us a directive that may have saved our lives. You know, right down to being uh, guided in little decisions that we've made or just feeling that presence of God around us or within us. We know He's there. And as the Arantia book Uh, so eloquently and, and somewhat humorously puts it when the person comes along and says, well, you don't have any proof for God. You don't know God. Our argument is, how do you know I don't? Because as the Herantia book states, sharing our inner life with God helps us to begin to experience God. And the more we share that inner life with God, and one of the big ways that uh, those of us on the mystical path do it is going into the, the silence that we talked about in the last show. But the more we share that inner life with God, the more that inner life begins to spill over into the outer life. And we see those blessings. We see those little miracles. We see those little proofs. We begin to experience God in our lives. And we know that He is real. And there's no argument in the world that can take Him or take that or take those experiences away from us. Because we know that we know that we know, as they used to say, And our life becomes one filled with just so many blessings and those blessings aren't going to deliver us from every problem they're not going to grant us a miracle upon demand but those blessings will give us more peace more strength greater faith greater knowing that this quest is not in vain because as we share our lives with God God shares himself with us and we know that he is real that he's there that he's overshadowing us that he cares for us he's leading us and guiding us and our lives take on a peace and an aroma if you will that perhaps the individual who doesn't share his inner life with God doesn't have. So, friends, I hope this particular show gave you a little bit of hope, uh, helped you to, will help you to build a little bit of a foundation within yourself in your own personal faith, so you're not so wounded or hurt or questioning yourself uh, when people. Uh, might attack your faith or attack the concept of God in general. And I hope this will give you a little something to just build upon. So you know that your journey, your quest for God is not in vain. It's not all based on myth, nor is it a fairy tale. I thank you so much for listening. Until next time, stay in love, stay in light, walk with God, and don't forget to cast your vote, which show you like best, Angels of Urantia or the Urantian Mystic. I'll talk to you next time. God bless everyone.